Jim, it's a football team, and that's that's something for the culture of your team. Eight for the title, and he's going to break it on a big one. He's going to get the title by a mile as Henry takes it all the way for the touchdown. Jim, never a doubt he was going to have a big one broke late in this game. You were on it. And I said, you got to play him all the way to the end. It's the <laughs> right thing to do and go win it. You didn't believe he it. He broke that. If he just started the fourth quarter with this, it would have done it by itself. Look at the cutback all the way. A big, I mean, this is, he looks like he's 6'10 out there. Look at the whole team, though, celebrating that moment. 53 yards on the carry. Push, pushes him over 200 for the day. And forget about that strained hamstring. There's no effects of that all game long. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you're listening from. Some of the uh, more astute and uh, wherewithal of you will notice I'm not Adam. Uh, I am Harry and I'm joined this evening with Miles, Neil and Yessi for the first time. Um, so welcome and uh, we've got a win to talk about, which is even better today. And not just a win, a playoff ceiling win. Uh, we didn't need to do it in the end, but we still managed it. Uh, so it was a, a great time. Um, how did you guys watch the game? And Yessi, let's start with you. Obviously, it's your first time on the pod. Uh, and just tell us how you became a Titans fan as well. It's uh, feeling privileged, um, to say the least. Um, so, yeah, we just watched it how we watch most of the games when we're not in the U.S., just um, yeah, on the sofa, scaring the cat as always, um, which I think Greg has spoke about a lot. Um, we kind of have to prepare for it, to be honest. Um, Titan fan. Well, this is a bit of a, a long story. I'll try and cut it down as much as I can. Um, so basically, I kind of half followed the NFL for, for years and years since I was young. My parents have a house out in uh, Florida, kind of about an hour from uh, Tampa. So, you know, we'd always go to, you know, Disney and Universal and go on holiday there. And then we'd always go and watch uh, the Bucks play. Um, so, you know, it's more of like an occasion thing, you know, oh, let's go there, have a bit of fun. Um, it was never really kind of that serious. Um, but Greg and I, I don't even know how many years ago now, six, seven years ago, um, we done a trek across the US and we said that wherever our favorite city was, um, we'd pick uh, the NFL team there. So we actually went to Nashville and we kind of looked at the stadium from the outside. And then afterwards, um, yeah, it just kind of spiraled out of control from there. Awesome. Uh, yeah, and you definitely picked a, an amazing city to fall in love with. I know we were both there uh, early this year and uh, downtown's amazing in the stadium. It might not look the best on the outside, but it is one heck of an atmosphere once you're in there. And it's the only place I think you can think of seeing a, a country performance at half time as well. Uh, even better. Uh, Neil, how did you watch the game? What were your thoughts? Um, uh, unfortunately, I had, to, uh, I had to follow along at work, which is a trend that uh, I'm really not enjoying. Um, so I've uh, got to be careful not to get myself into trouble here. Um, yeah, I just followed along on a game tracker. I didn't see any um, <laughs> any of the scores. Or, uh, uh, and yeah, we're just happy to see the end result. Um, I'm working again tonight in a couple of hours, so I'm currently drinking a Barocca. Uh, living that rock and roll lifestyle. <laughs> wow. So uh, when we go into the depths of this uh, conversation, you're going to make it sound nice and shady, like you definitely didn't watch much of it. Yeah, definitely didn't watch much of it. Definitely. Uh, Miles, where, whereabouts were you? What did you think? Um, and more importantly, what did you eat? Because I know it looked amazing. 
Yeah, sadly, I was uh, I had questionable company, which happens to be our host today. Uh, so yeah, me, me and Harry met up in a in Chester in a in a, uh, a chain of restaurant called Hickory's. For any of the Americans listening, it's barbecue food English style. Um, I'm not going to say it's as good as Kansas or anywhere else, but it, it does a job. I had, I had a nice plate of nachos, which uh, Harry done well not to steal any of. Um, obviously, when we turned up to the game, we were we were pretty good that we were told all day that they would have the game on for us. And then we'd turn up and obviously say, oh, sorry, we can only show the game that's on Sky, which happens to be the Eagles game. Um, so me and Harry done quite well to watch the game basically on his phone while having Red Zone on on one of the other TVs. Um, of which every so often it popped a red zone. We realized that our stream was two minutes delayed. Um, so it was, oh, phones off, uh, trying, to, trying to follow the game as much as I could. Since then, I've obviously watched it in full today. And yeah, I, I, I can't complain. I think it was, it, was an all right, it was an all right atmosphere to start for us. And then it ended up just me and you keeping the, uh, keeping the workers in for the night, apart from what, like one Eagle fan lonely at the bar. I think think they loved us more than they let on for sure. Um, but going on yeah. to the game, what were our initial thoughts? Obviously, we we got the job done in the end. We got the the win in week seventeen, which we knew that we needed going in, thanks to the Steelers slipping up last week. Um, but how were you feeling after the first quarter? Oh yeah, when I saw oh sorry when I saw um, that uh, they marched downfield on the first drive and scored a touchdown. I mean, I'm not a, a, a huge fan of AJ McCallum, but I think he's quite capable. Uh, and I feared that the game was going to be a lot closer than uh, than it actually was. Uh, but it's been like a feature of the season, the defence starting slowly um, and then stiffening up when, when we need them to. And I think it were a pretty best-case scenario type of game yesterday where we, we actually looked good, put plenty of points on the board, got the rushing title for Henry, Clinched a playoff berth and didn't really exert ourselves. We're not, we didn't, we weren't, we haven't really come away from a, a type of game that's been a war, which is, I feel, which is kind of what I feared it would be when they scored the opening touchdown. Yeah, I think, think like I, I was feeling the same when we went seven 0 down to begin with. I was, I was a bit sketchy. I thought, and once you saw the the rested players from the Texans, confidence probably went up quite a lot for a lot of us. But yeah, that first drive definitely put the, the nerves into us. And then that second drive that we had um, definitely calmed me down just a little bit. Yessie, what did, what did you think going in? Any stars, um, standout performance for yourself and Greg? Um, must admit, kind of going into it, I was obviously a bit nervous. Um, but when we um, kind of saw the other results um, and we knew that the game didn't mean anything for the Texans, um, kind of relaxed a little bit. You know, obviously they weren't playing... Um, uh, Watson and um, kind of, you know, with Fuller being out and stuff like that, I think, um, yeah, I, I kind of, I didn't want to be too optimistic, but, you know, kind of deep down, I think I had the the kind of feeling that, you know, we could definitely do it, but I just didn't really want to get um, kind of carried away with that. Um, and then obviously after their first drive um, and kind of going ahead, um, must admit, I was a little bit worried, but I think um, the next drive after that, um, we kind of scored a touchdown quite quickly. Um, so I think that kind of, you know, the, the kind of, I guess, the defence side of things, I was a bit uh, not too sure on. But as soon as the offence came out, I was kind of a bit like, oh, OK, you know, I, I think I think we've got this. But still just a kind of little bit in the back of my mind. Um, but, 
but yeah, um, standout performance, I guess, in general, always AJ Brown um, for, for me. Um, I think Tannehill had a, a solid game. Um, again, very, very surprised to see Mariota. I think we had to um, rewind it, <laughs> to be honest with you, to have a look and say, hang on a minute, is that Mariota? Like, we, we didn't realise uh, to begin with until um, I think we were looking on Twitter and we're like, hang on a moment, didn't even realise. Um, and then obviously, um, I think that was the one uh, no, it's the second one, actually, wasn't it, that got um, AJ Brown over the 1,000. Um, so pulled on the heartstrings a little bit, that one. Um, love seeing that. So, so yeah, um, kind of good good from me from that. Yeah, I mean, fo- go on, I was going to say, Neil, following on from that, when me and Harry were watching the game, obviously because we were watching on a screen, there was a two-minute delay. We had it where suddenly Red Zone popped up with Mariota in, and my heart sunk for a moment thinking, what's happened to Tannehill? Um, I thought some of that happened, and then we realised it was just for like a quick trick play doing the Saints with uh, with Hill. But that that was a proper um, heart flutter moment where I just thought, well, it's nice seeing Mariota, but I'd like to know why he's in there. But then obviously our stream caught up with us, and we realised it was just for a nice play for Brown. But I think only Harry can sort of say whether or not I was staying composed or not. I felt like the game was always quite uh, quite quite in our own hands. We always knew what we needed to do. The early touchdown from Houston, I've, I always felt was a it was just easing into the game a little bit. The way we went up and down the field the next two plays, to me, really shown a lot of confidence in the team. And from then on, we looked, we looked quite quite confident and well in control. Um, a big takeaway is the fact that we came out with no noticeable injuries from as far as I'm aware. They were saying towards the end of the game that Rabel wanted to take Henry out sooner. And I think he got to the point where he said, you've got two more plays and then I'm taking you out. And luckily he decided to break off a 50-yard touchdown for the first play, so that made it easier for us to take it out of the game. But yeah, ner- nervous a little bit at the start, but I, I feel like the the team after the first play, they they knew what they needed to do. They got they got themselves moving. They got Brown involved. Even Davis made a couple of plays. Great blocking by Davis, which I think was the one thing me and Harry noticed on the uh, Brown touchdown. It was who made that block because without that block getting blocked onto the inside, Brown hasn't got a full route down the uh, the outside for the touchdown. So. I I'm, I'm very I was very happy with the game all in all. It was quite a professional show, and yeah, we've conceded a couple of scores to a, a lesser Houston team, shall we say? But it, it's always going to happen. There are players in that Houston team that are playing for the chance to play in the playoffs. So I feel like we were always going to maybe concede a couple. It was just all about being professional and just getting enough points on there where we knew they couldn't get back into it, which is exactly what happened. I was just about to say exactly the same about Mariota because. Uh, obviously, I couldn't follow the game as closely as I'd have liked. Um, so I, I got into break room, made myself a coffee, opened up red zone, and, and Mariota's running off the field. I'm thinking, what's happened to Tanhill? Oh, no. And have, have we just gone three and out? <laughs> uh, but obviously, I didn't realise it was just that one pass. But it was a nice touch, that, to be fair. And it just shows I, in how much command of the game we were, which was very um, untitans-like, shall we say. I was just about to say, it felt like the most untitans game that I've watched, apart from a preseason game that you don't care about. It was one of those games that you, you kind of felt that we were always in control of, even when we went seven down early. Ah, oh, it's okay. Whether that was because we're facing their backups, um, that's part of it. Um, but even against, you know, a, a bit of a weakened offensive line, our pass rush probably struggled a little bit. Our run D wasn't as strong as we would have liked against a, a second and third depth um, running back and things like that and that's something that we'll probably have to 
work on in the six days before we travel over to Foxborough. Um, spoiler alert, in case you don't know where we're heading for the playoffs. And for some reason, you use us as our, your mode of uh, news there. Um, Ryan Tannehill, I thought it was a really solid game there as well. Um, I think he ended the season with the best passer rating. Obviously, we have a little bit of a, a smaller um, sample size than most of the other QBs at the top of that list. But... I was probably going to leave this till a little bit later, but our regular season, he's really set it up and turned it around um, for us. Is he going to continue it into the playoffs a wee bit? Hope so. <laughs> yeah, why not? Why not? It, it's we've we've come across some teams along the way where we, he's he's had sort of moments where he's he's tore defenses apart, and yeah, the the Patriots had a scary defense for the first sort of what eight, nine weeks. And you could argue even recently, they've still been good. They've still got, arguably, there's, people are saying that Gilmore might get Defensive Player of the Year and they can they can make lots of plays. But I've just watched them get torched by Fitzpatrick and Devontae Parker. And if you're telling me that a Miami team can go and do that to the Patriots, then I'm not having it that an offense that we've had that's been scoring 30-odd points a game can't do the exact same. And I don't... Uh, what have we got to fear? I think Tan Hill's just going to go in there and he's beat Patriots before. I'm sure in his Miami days, he was he always done well against the Patriots. So he's not going to go into Foxborough and be like, oh no, what's all this? He's now at a team that have confidence in him and we have confidence uh, in how we're playing. So why not? Why can't he go into Foxborough and light it up, hopefully? No, I don't mean to be like the villain here. Uh, because Don't do I'm it. Not a, I'm not a lover of the Patriots by any stretch of imagination, but I do respect what they do. And I've seen this movie before where a team's absolutely red hot and they're going to Foxborough and Belichick just does what he does and schemes and totally neuters a team. Um, so while I wouldn't be totally surprised if that happened, I'm not saying that's what I think will happen. I just think we've got to be prepared for that prospect because and at the end of the day, there's nobody better at doing that than he. And, uh, He's obviously danced with Tannehill a few times before as well. So I just had temper expectations that, I, and I would say that I'm really scared that nobody seems to fancy the Patriots. That really scares me. Mm. Apart, yeah, from, yeah, apart that... from the book, apart from the bookies, of course. <laughs> and it's been like that. There the past a, there few weeks a, well. Yeah, there was a post that Rich Eisen put up as well of which one's the most intriguing. Um, wildcard round battle and I think at the moment the Titans Patriots are absolutely blowing it away um, it's obviously a Twitter pool you can't take much from that um, but yeah it's it's a bit nervy going in um, to next week anyway um, just going back to the game obviously um, King Henry has got the rushing yards um, season championship totally butchered the name of what that probably is uh, anyone can probably correct me in a second but He's been instrumental to our season this year, hasn't he? He's, he's even rested a, a week and managed to slide the title away from Chubb. Um, Hunt's probably helped him in the in the victory there. Um, but what is your your impression of Henry being? How delighted were you for him when he uh, when he got that fifty plus yard run just to seal it up there? Oh well, I mean I'm chuffed for the guy. He's, he's, it's, you, you, it's difficult to sorry, it's difficult to say that he's had much competition there with, with Lewis running alongside him where I felt like we know we've had to lean on him a little bit and sometimes in games we, we know we've been at that point where 
yeah, yeah, we can have uh, Tannehill to be the one that's uh, getting us through games. But everything comes through Henry. We saw what happened when we didn't have him in the game and we lost that uh, run pass option. So, I mean, I'm I'm delighted for him. He's 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 always been known for being the guy that steps up in winter time. But now I'm glad that it's the whole season where he's now getting the announcement that he's done it for the full season and it's. Hopefully, hopefully he gets more more talk. He's he's probably added a fair few millions onto his potential contract, um, but he fully deserves. Yeah, I think um, obviously really really happy for the guy. Um, was kind of willing him on throughout the whole uh, match to kind of you know get a few more yards and stuff like that. So when it kind of got towards the end, I was thinking, oh, Vrabel's going to want to um, rest him, but. You know, you can tell the guy clearly wants to stay on the field and, and kind of clench that title. So um, I was just happy that he'd done it um, relatively um, quickly when he was obviously told that he only had a few more carries to go. So, um, yeah, delighted um, to say the least. And perhaps, you know, people will start taking him a little bit more seriously, I think. Um, I don't think he has got as much credit as he deserves. Um, yeah, so that's kind of my take on that. I've got a... Uh, a theory about Derek Henry, where it, I think is in year four now, and I think when he first came into the league, he didn't really realise what he were, and because we had Demarco Murray, who were kind of a do it all back, Derek Henry kind of thought he were a scat back, like kind of that elephant that thinks it's a cat, and <laughs> and he like uh, he liked to bounce to the outside, and he kind of was playing the Dion Dion Lewis Lewis role. And watching Titans games in those first two seasons, I was willing him to do what he's doing now, which is absolutely flatten people and run over people. I think he's grown into his role and he realises what he is. And I think recognition of being the Russian champ is, is thoroughly deserved because I think over the last two seasons, he's been top three, top five running back in the NFL. And I, I'll freely admit I haven't always been a fan of his, but um, I'm of a moment with what he's doing at the minute. I think you raise a really, a really nice point there as well with that progression that he's made year on year. Um, I think the last couple of years he has been in that top five position and he's grown into that role that we needed him. And I think that's where Art Smith's playbook has started to come a bit more alive because we rely on that play action so much. As soon as somebody shuts down our run, that's where our, our passing game really does struggle. Um, and, and that came across really, really well. Um, and you even saw it in, I know, Miles and I probably got a different vantage point of this, but in the um, Giants-Eagles game where Jones went on a bootleg and ran for about eight yards, that threat of that that one-yard run that Barkley gave them, Tannehill's done that a couple of times this year um, where Henry's been that big bruiser where they've had to crash in on the inside and Tannehill's taken it for a 20-yard run at the right-hand side. Um, yeah, it's been great to see him progress and, and it's a well-deserved Russian title and, and a fantastic thing that I quickly saw before we came on that he um, had an SOS for, for a girl who wanted to treat her dad to, to a game for Christmas and ended up getting them a VIP sideline passes and just shows you what a, what a down-to-earth guy he still is and, um, yeah, a true bowler as well. So congratulations to, to him, I'm sure, from all of us. Um, going back and retracing our steps through the regular season, one defining moment that anyone wants to check out, an MVP maybe, try not to say Tannehill or Henry or AJ Brown, I think <laughs> we've covered them enough on this podcast, but any um, underrated um, MVP and, and one turning point or one moment where you thought, damn, I love these Titans. Uh, Neil, do you want to kick us off? 
Uh, I think uh, I mentioned in group chat yesterday that I think uh, Jarrell Case has not really had the the um, plaudits he's deserved this season. It's one of those things where every time, say you're not watching a Titans game live or you're watching Red Zone or you're dipping in and out like I was yesterday at work, and it's one of those things like every time you look up, you see that guy making a play. And I think Rashan Evans is in that in that bracket as well. And it might not be the the tackles for a loss or the forced fumbles. Sometimes it's just smart football players which build a platform for the rest of your teammates to perform as well. And I think Casey and Rashan Evans are two unsung heroes in this team and two fastly becoming elite players as well. And I think Jarrell Casey has been that for a long time, but I think Rashan Evans is getting there as well. Like I said, every time you look, you look up at a Titans game, and Titans are on defence, you see Jarrell Casey blowing somebody up or making a play, and I think he deserves a lot more plaudits for this run than he is getting. Yeah, can't, can't argue with that. I, I was going to say, I, I, was on a, I was on a bit of a mix where I was thinking, um, since Jeffrey Simmons has come in, he might have not have actually put up the numbers that we've been expecting, but him and Casey together are really threatening a lot of offensive lines around, around the NFL. And I mean, I wanted to say, I was saying this just before we started, that I'd argue that I'm the MVP that since we've started uh, having me on the podcast, we've gone on this amazing run. Um, so you, you're welcome, Tennessee. Um, but no, I I, I put it down to, uh... <laughs> it's, it's, it's not Simmons, it's not Tannehill, it's not Brown, it's me. No, um, I, I think Simmons has made a difference to that defensive line. Um, but it's very difficult to take it away from from Tannehill for me that he's he's come in, I, I've been saying now, he's came in with, with very little... Um, so I, I don't want to say no pressure because that's not the right word, but no one had any expectation of him. And he's come in this league and he's outperformed all these elite quarterbacks in a season where, with the exception of Lamar Jackson and I think Russell Wilson, most people probably have him down close to being the most uh, valuable quarterback in the league. And he's thoroughly deserved it and he deserves whatever he gets in the offseason going forward. So to me, it's very difficult to look away from Tannehill. But yeah, I, I mean, as, as a lineman, I'm biased. So I think Simmons has really made a difference. And it's made the difference to Laundry because Laundry's getting more sacks because of it. Even Carrera, especially at the weekend, was having a great game. And it all comes from that front line, causing a lot of pressure. You've seen what the 49ers can do with four first-round line, uh, uh, defensive linemen. We're having the same effect now. We're getting we're getting a lot of pressure up there. And, yeah, long may it continue. I think uh, I'm going to challenge you on that uh, MVP call, uh, actually. Um I think the run started uh, when, uh, yeah, obviously Tannehill started, but when Greg and I were at the game, um, we were at the the Chargers game, which I think was uh, a turning point. Um, I just remember, um, this is kind of my damn, I love the, these Titans moment, was uh, when uh, we were at the game. And if I recall correctly, we they were at the one-yard line right at the end, and our defence were just putting up stop after stop after stop. Um, and that was kind of the moment like I don't think we've ever celebrated as much as that um, despite kind of anything that's happened you know we were there it was just amazing you kind of had us down and out at that point um, you know with you know seconds left on the clock and they're in that position um, you know in my mind at the time there was only one way that was going um, and I'm so glad that I was completely wrong yeah I, I was at the game same game there as well um, and I just remember absolutely losing my mind and there was flags a couple of times where we thought we'd stop them or where they thought they scored and then they get put, put back to the one yard line but yeah I'm, I'm the same as you I think that was the real turning point for us that, that goal line stand there in the last seconds but 
yeah, yeah what, what a there. game to, to be at. Yeah, but and then I think also, the whole... I think, oh, sorry, we, we won that game, obviously, by, like, the slimmest margin. Um, and it was, I think it was just that grind, just that kind of, you know, determination of, of the, the team, the defence, um, which, again, came out, I think, in the Bucks game, which was the week after. Um, you know, I don't think it was a great game by any stretch. You know, it was it was pretty terrible, to be honest with you. But I think we just showed that resilience that that was needed to get through the game. And sometimes, you know, it's not always pretty. It's not always, you know great football that we're playing but I think the job is to get it done at the end of the day and I think those two games particularly we really really kind of done our job I think there's a lot of unsung heroes as well in this team which is what I love about the team as well like you mentioned Kamalai Correa um, he's got three or four four sacks now and I think that's credit to John Mm. Robinson because a lot of teams fans and maybe the GMs as well I'll look at the late picks, sixth round, seventh round picks, fifth round picks and think, oh, this guy's going to be a pro bowler. We've got a steal and he's going to do this, that, X, Y, Z. And I think John Robinson's not into that. John Robinson will will give up a late round pick for a guy who he thinks can contribute. And those three or four sacks that Correa made have made a massive difference to a season, whereas a sixth round wide receiver would probably be on the practice squad at this moment in time. And I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. I mean, we've been critical of John Robinson before on this show and I think some of that is to do with our fan base. I'm not saying it's our fan base specifically, but our fan base tends to anoint our players as pro bowlers before they've actually achieved. And I think that's something we did with Derek Henry, but he's actually proved us all right in the end. Um, And I just think Robinson deserves credit for looking at the here and now and looking at the situation in front that we've got a win-now team and those late picks and not going to give you the next Tom Brady. They're not going to give you the next Antonio Brown, etc., etc., etc. They'll give you a contributor now on game day and not two, three, four years down the line, which people are always expecting from late round receivers, etc. Great point. Great point. I think another unsung hero has to be Kalouf, that block against the Chiefs with that field goal last last couple of seconds. Probably not a turning point, but definitely a point where I thought, oh, luck might be on our side this year a little bit. And 9-7 and seven this year has got us on the, into the playoffs, whereas years before hasn't. And the AFC looking pretty strong, and the AFC South in particular, with two teams from there going to the playoffs this year. Um, no longer the laughing stock of the NFL, although I'm sure uh, certain podcasts, not looking at the around the NFL, will definitely still say it is a rubbish division. Uh, yeah, looking I mean, forward uh, into- a couple of years back, we got to the divisional round and the Jags got to the championship game and they still said we had worst division in football. I mean, I don't really know what our division can do. Um, for me, I look at our division and I think there's four solid teams there that aren't spectacular, but are always generally quite solid. They're never, never teams that you want to go up against on a no. cold Tuesday night in no. Stoke. Um, <laughs> looking forward to the playoffs now. Obviously, we've got the Patriots coming up. Did you almost rather that, or would you almost rather that than the Chiefs? How how are your thinkings going into that once once um, we knew that the Patriots were there? Were we happy? Were we sad? And what are um, early, way too early predictions on what Tom Brady is going to look like and the rest of Bilicek's, um defence? Uh, so who's going to mention uh, pressure up the middle? Think going to be me. It's one of your guys. Simon Sato. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, 
like I said earlier, I think it, it's very easy to to look at the situation where the Patriots are kind of spluttering on offense and the defense has took a step backwards and to look how hot we are and think, yeah, um, we're going to go in there and destroy them or, for lack of a better term, at least give them trouble. But I don't know. I've seen this movie before. Um, I'll let you guys give your predictions or whatever. Um, but I, I just think it'll be a really, really close, tense game. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, personally, if you'd asked me, would I've preferred playing the Patriots or Kansas in previous years? You'd be crazy to even think that you're considering that question. But Patriots have really been off the boil the past couple of weeks offensively. They're not they're not moving. And in in previous years, it would have been yeah, Titans build around their defense and whether or not we can keep up with a team like the Patriots. Now I'm worried if a team like the Patriots can keep up with us. Brady's not hitting his men, of which. I think other than Edelman, I mean, they've got that rookie, but then it's what, Mohamed Sanu? And, like, the weapons around him, and I get what everyone's saying about Belichick and how he'll he'll take away your best weapon, but let's say he takes away Derrick Henry, argument to say if he's our best weapon over Brown, you've then got the hottest QB and the hottest young receiver in the league. So it's like, what would you rather, what would you rather take away? Are you going to bring in all your safeties down to stop Henry from getting these big plays, of which he likes to bounce around the outside anyway. Or you're going to have extra coverage on all your receivers and let Henry do it. It's I won't want to be in Belichick's shoes where you've got to decide which one of the two evils you want to take away because that's what's amazing this year, that we have a comeback player of the year in Tannehill. We have arguably rookie of the season in Brown and the rushing leader. So, I mean, it's so many wonderful weapons to have on offense that... And I get we're going into Foxborough. It's Belichick, no doubt. He'll he'll do something, and there'll be some fancy plays. But there's so much to stop, and there's so much that we're going into this game with confidence. And even special teams is stepping up, and we have a kicker who's making field goals. And it's I, I I'm always ever the optimist, and I know that we're going to win the Super Bowl this year. I'm just trying to play it down that I don't think it's that easy. Um, but. Uh, personally, I want to take. I want to play the Patriots. I want to go into Foxborough. I want everyone in the US and everyone in the UK and everyone in Germany and everyone all over the world to watch us retire Tom Brady. Hopefully, this gets played somewhere in the Patriots somewhere, and I hope that I get called out. But Tom Brady's going to lose this game, and then he's going to realize that you know what he doesn't fancy it anymore, and he's going to retire. And we'll be the team that stopped him. It'll be us. I hope. That's a strong view. <laughs> Brave. You said you said everything to jinx us there, everything. So yeah, thanks so like much that. for that, Miles. Um, Not in doubt. Yeah, obviously, you're, I, I think we hinted earlier that you're heading over to the game with Greg. Um, you must be pretty pumped to, to go see that, and you must have a bit of confidence at least to be to be travelling all that way on short notice. Um, I'm expecting not sure. a win. Um, I'd like a win um, and now I actually have the time officially off of work rather than booking it and then asking afterwards um, I can get <laughs> a bit more excited to be honest I was I was kind of nervous after we booked it you know at the time it, it seemed like a great idea and then I was like oh um, um, now I need to get the time off work um, but they're quite flexible and stuff like that so um, thank god um, don't tell them that I booked it before but you know they won't be listening to this so it's all good um I, I guess I'm kind of um kind of neutral I guess around this um you know whilst I think that the pat you know haven't been um as great of late 
um you know i can see kind of some cracks uh starting to show um in different areas i think um we can't discount the fact that they are 12 and 4 um you know so i don't think we can discount them by any stretch uh based on on that um as their season as a whole um but you know like i think miles said you know with Tannehill and aj brown henry and kind of you know the offense side of things um and then the usually solid defense I, I, there's something that's deep down that I don't really want to say, it, but um, I think I think we have a good chance, um, and I think I would much rather um, face the Pats than KC, um, if if I'm honest. Um, nice. uh, what what worries me um, is so the last time we played the Patriots in the divisional round, um, they they they, ident- they identified a weakness where we had flat-footed and slow middle linebackers. So they picked us apart with screens and they picked us apart with dump-offs, ironically to Dion Lewis, who absolutely destroyed us in that game. And my worry is that as much as Brady's arm's not there and as much as their offence isn't moving, I'm worried that Belichick will find a flaw in that defence and just absolutely death by a thousand cuts us. But on the positive side, I've got no worries about his offence actually moving the ball. I think... If any player's had any success against Stefan Gilmore in the last two years, it's Corey Davis. Uh, he's had two really good games against him, the playoff game, uh, where he got his first two NFL touchdowns and the game in Nashville last year. So I have no no bones or qualms in saying that I think we'll move the ball. But what I'm worried about is the Patriots offense getting going. Is Belichick seeing something in our defense that he can expose? And I don't think he can ever rule that out, regardless of even if Brady were 56 year old. I don't think he could ever rule that out, um, and I think we'd be silly to. But that's just that's just me being overly cautious, I suppose. <clears throat> I think I think as well, yeah, you have to be a bit nervous about our secondary, um, especially if Adore Jackson's still out. Um, obviously, Butler's out with his his um, season-ending injury, so we're still playing Brock. We're still playing. Um, I don't even know if Sims is is available at the moment. Um, I didn't see him too much at the weekend, if my memory serves me correctly. Um, I'm nervous about our secondary. Um, they've not got loads out wide, but Sanu is a crafty veteran. He knows what to do. Edelman is probably one of the best route runners I've ever ever watched. Um, the guy could get loose in a phone box to use a very good cliche. Um, and is I'm nervous about that. I think Ryan needs to step up in the slot if he's put against Edelman lots. Um and Bayard, he's not looked Bayard of old for the while. He got the pick this week, um, but he, in my eyes, he's looked a little bit shaky. He's made a couple of real bad coverages when he's been in man or drifting over into zone when it then comes crunch time to get into man. Uh, although hopefully that won't be too much of an issue with Brady's arm if it's if it's starting to get a wee bit tired towards the uh, the end of the season. Um, but like you say, they're 12 and 4. They've had a good season. They've got one of the best head coaches I think that's ever existed. They've got one of the best QBs that's ever existed. Um, and they've got a solid defence as well with Gilmore, um, who has been really good and can probably easily shut down um, one of our wide receivers if he's on the top of his game as well. So I'm a bit nervous. I think it'll be a defensive duel the whole game. I don't think there'll be many points. I don't think it'll be like... Um, I don't know, it won't be like a couple of the games that we've seen recently against the Saints or anything like that. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm nervous, but I'm quietly optimistic as I think most Titans fans will be. They just know how to win these games, don't they? That's what scares me. They know how to win these games. They've done it a million times and they'll probably do it more. 
but I do think they'll mm. lose in these playoffs. I mean, I might this might come back to bite me, but they won't win the Super Bowl. Will they lose to us? I don't know. I'm not so sure. They're not going to win. They're not going to win on Sunday, uh, Saturday night. So it don't matter. It doesn't matter <laughs> about the Super Bowl. They they needed they needed to win against Miami, and look what happened there. They knew they had a bye if they won that game, and they couldn't even do it. Taking nothing away from Miami, but yeah, they what the twelve and four, but they started eight and zero, but they're now four and four. Their recent run has been really poor, and I know I, I know Belichick will turn around and they'll do something, but I just I think we'll score too many points for them to keep up, regardless of how good how good their defense is. I think Hopefully. we've come up against yeah exactly. I think we've come up against decent defenses and. What's what is Brown averaging about 100 yards and a touchdown every single game at the moment? And Henry's over 100 yards every single game. And won't be surprised if you see uh, Sharp or if you see Corey Davis step up because obviously Gilmore's going to be tracking Brown, I reckon, for the entire game. Who's to say that we're not going to see Davis? Or I mean, I don't know what's happening with Humphreys. He'd be handy, I think, to have that slot with a bit of pace across the middle to try and uh, stop Hightower and Van Noy um, getting much pressure on Tannehill. But we, we've we've got a few weapons there. Davis has done it before at the Patriots. Yeah, he hasn't done much this year, but the, Gilmore's going to be too busy following Brown. So we've just got to, we, we're doing the same as what the Patriots are doing. We've got to target what we think their weaknesses will be. And on defense recently, they've I mean Parker touched Gilmore anyway, but the other the other cornerbacks haven't been as good recently, and they're not getting much pressure on the QBs either. So hopefully Tannehill won't have to hold on to the ball much, and even if he does, he'll still be okay. Let's uh, let's not discount the fact that uh, Ryan Tannehill's playing with a bit of magic, like Joe Flacco when he went on the mm-hmm. uh, Joey Joey January run and uh, yep. never did anything after. Tannehill's playing with a little bit of magic, a little bit of stardust, shall we say? Mm-hmm. We've already seen what Fitz Magic can do, though. So uh, we have to come up with a nickname for Tannehill. Uh, <laughs> I'm too tired to even start thinking of one, but a Tannehill Magic kind of spin-off uh, thing yeah. at home. I'm standing up Tanamania. Um yeah, I'm, I think it think it'll be good. I think the um yeah, the timing is a bit annoying, isn't it? Uh six day week, um the late kickoff on the on the sixth day, which means it'll be uh, a Saturday night one fifteen in the morning uh kickoff. Six days though, does that run into the Titans' favour? Um or is that a bit of a negative? Um it's 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 a difficult question actually as to who that's better for. It's um because the Patriots have just come off a loss which they didn't expect, so now they've got six days to try and get themselves going again to a game that they've not had to play for was it probably ten years or something since they've had to play this. They've always had their bye, so they don't they don't even know what this week is in American football at the moment. So as far as they're aware, they're off on their jollies for a week to see their family, and then suddenly going to get us charging down at them. So. I, I think it's an advantage to ourselves in that we've done this the past few seasons. We're the hot team. So they've got they've got six days to come up with something that's going to slow us down. And like you said, they've just had a, a, a beating from Miami and now you've got six days to take on Tanner Frill. Does uh, this come into effect where, I'm not saying there's dissension in the Patriots ranks, but does... Do you, does anybody think Belichick thinks he could be doing more with his roster if he didn't have a 42-year-old QB? I'm not saying there's friction between Brady and Belichick. I think they obviously massively respect each other. But Belichick's really got to be frustrated, especially looking what Jimmy Garoppolo's doing and looking how Brady seems to be deteriorating. Could that play into his hands 
as far as Belichick can't execute his full game plan because of his limitations. I think he might have watched that Ravens game and saw what Lamar Jackson offense can do and thought, I'd love to have that. Imagine I could have the keys to that car. And, and it, it's difficult to say, is it a disadvantage to have 42-year-old Tom Brady considering everything he's done? But it's obvious that there's limitations there and what, what he can now do is, is he's losing the arm. Yeah, he can still read defenses, but can he then make the play once he's read that defense? It's I bet there is a bit of frustration, but at the same time, are you going to say to Belichick, are you upset you have Tom Brady? Yeah, I think they're, they're squeezing every last bit out of that orange, aren't they? They definitely are, um, which I think has been seen this season. And uh, I just wonder if there's a little bit of friction there. I wonder if Belichick feels like he could game plan better if he'd have had a younger, more mobile, better QB, which uh, seems silly writing Tom Brady off because people have done it a million times before. But I think this season there's definitely been more, more cracks and more tangible evidence than there's ever been that this could be the end. I think the six-day rest probably helps us out a little bit as well. Belichick's one of the best game planners and, and the best people at finding weaknesses. A day less than, for that is, is a bit of a win as well. And then rest as well. Brady probably needs it a little bit more than Tannehill needs it. Um, things like that, that, that helps out quite a little bit. Um, let's try a quick fire round. Uh, prediction for the game. Um, let's go for an MVP for the Titans and a score prediction. I'm going to hope that we all go Titans win here. Uh, who kicks me off? Uh, I'll go then. I'll go uh, MVP for Titans, I think, Kevin Bayard. Um, I, I, vague, I vividly remember a couple of years ago in Divisional Round, Kevin Bayard talking some stuff on Twitter about Brady and people saying, who is this guy? And I think over the last couple of years, he's shown people, who is this guy? Um, and I think... Saturday night could be his coming out party on like a national stage other than standing on star which I just is something I think about every single day um, <laughs> and I think you're going to push me into predicting a Titans win when my heart's not 100% in it but I'm going to go 21-17 Titans Yes Um I'm going to go with a, a Titans win. 27-24. Um, I think it's going to be a game that goes right to the end. Um, I think it's going to be the Pats, clearly, uh, based on that um, fighting to get a field goal um, right in the last few seconds um, to tie it up to go to overtime. Um, MVP, oh, no. God, um, Henry. Safe, secure, love it. Always. Miles. Yeah, as you know, this will be a sensible prediction. Um, we're going to win 37-14, which includes obviously a safety to get the two points to make it 37. Um, let's see here. Corey Davis is going to go for 100 yards and a touchdown. Sharp's going to get a touchdown. Uh, Dion Lewis is going to get a touchdown. And uh, Logan Ryan's going to get a pick six. And then we're going to have a blocked field goal for our fifth goal, which is going to be collected by probably Khalif or someone. Let's not be too silly with it. Um, MVP, I think Logan Ryan's going to have a revenge game. I'd love to have had Butler out there as well, but I think I think they're going to find a way to stop parts of our offense. And I really feel this is going to be one of them games where Brady throws away the game and he's going to throw it away a lot of times to Logan Ryan. Um, so, yeah, get down to the bookies, 37-14. 
Um, don't know what the odds are on the Super Bowl at the moment, but me and Harry were saying we've both bet before the season. The odds are slightly better then, but get some get some quids on us. We'll be fine. Brave. I, I just want to very brave. Whatever is in your yeah, whatever is in your drink, and the Sky request to bet on that will be amazing. It's um, Tennessee honey at the moment. <laughs> so if, if it comes off, if it comes off, what a worldie! What an absolute worldie there. Uh, uh, I'm going to go for a 17-10 win, tight end. Um, and I think the MVP will be Jalen Brown. I've rated him all year, as a couple of the lads will know on the group chat. Um, rate him very highly, especially when he makes a pick in the end zone. And uh, just think he is a class player. I think he's got just unbelievable um, will to win and will make the play. I don't quite know what that play will be, but um, Neil said like, a couple of years ago in the divisional, us. us um, middle linebackers weren't quite quick enough weren't quite um, always caught flat footed and, and Jayon Brown isn't or very rarely is caught flat footed um, so I'm, I'm hoping he, he comes out with that um, we will now end on the only way that we know how to end um, it's been Christmas I'm expecting a couple of family feuds maybe a Dyson thrown in there um, but uh, non-Titans related uh, anyone want to kick us off on that uh, I suppose I'm just like fed up now of being bloated and like eating just crap basically. Like, oh, it's <laughs> half past half past seven in the morning, but don't matter. It's a bank holiday. I'll have a, a pork pie or <laughs> an handful of celebrations, uh, and I'm just fed up with that now. But what what I suppose what what really is gonna is gonna shoot me in the foot with all this, like. As soon as it ticks around to 1st of January and I'll pack my gym bag and I'll get myself off to the gym and then I'll start like drinking protein shakes and having my eight glasses of water a day and that like craving to eat crap again will just like build up and build up and build up and build up and a week or a week and a half, two weeks into the new year, I'll have forgot that I'll have a sick of eating it in first place and I'll be pining to go to the shop for some celebrations again. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I suppose I'm just fed up of eating crap and fed up of being bloated and fed up of overindulging. I just want it to be over with. Um, I've got all my good intentions intact. Um, so we'll see where we go from there. So will this podcast now become like a weekly um, have you been to the gym, Neil, segment? Just to say. Uh, I hope not because there'll not be a great deal of content, I wouldn't imagine. <laughs> 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 be a whole load of awkward silence in there whilst you're yeah. rustling uh, celebrations packet. Yeah, I drove past it on my way home from work. Uh, I don't know if that counts. <laughs> yeah, close enough, close enough. Uh, Yessie, non-tans related, what, what have you got for us on your on your debut here? I'm expecting a Greg rant, to be perfectly honest, but we'll, we'll accept anything. Okay, well, well, there might there might be a, co- a couple of things. Um, so first of all, I'd just like to say the Dyson is fabulous. Um, my hair, you know, is looking amazing on fleek, um, despite uh, Greg clearly whinging about how much it costs. Expensive, but worth it. That's all I'll say. Um, and then I guess the rant for me would be New Year's Eve. All the hype around New Year's Eve you know, left, right and centre. What are you doing? Where are you going? Blah, blah, blah. It's like, do you know what? I just want to sit at home on the sofa in my pyjamas with a bottle of beer. That is all I want to do on my New Year's Eve. But, you know, 
obviously I'm being dragged out to my sister's. I mean, it's lovely. You know, she puts on great food and stuff like that. But yeah, another buffet, another buffet, like like you were saying before, <laughs> just food, just food everywhere. Unnecessarily massive amounts of food. Um, yeah, it's just going to be another one of those where, you know, you kind of go there. No one really wants to be there. Um, you're all just, you know, getting a bit merry and, you know, watching the clock you know when's it midnight or oh, can I go to bed yet um so may- maybe I'm showing my age here but um yeah you know just just New Year's Eve in general unless uh you're in Nashville like we were a couple of years ago that was amazing um I'd do that over again but at home on the sofa in my pajamas thank you yeah that's that's kind of what we're doing we're not going anywhere um can't get anybody for kids, so we'll be at home. And it's like, uh, it's only half past ten, but I really want to go and just lay on bed and watch Netflix. Ah, but we've got to stop up until midnight, surely. Uh, not really. It'll still be 1st of January when we get up in the morning. <laughs> but yeah, we'll probably sit downstairs while midnight to let, let the new year in, whatever that means. And like literally all you do at midnight, isn't it, is that you just say, I'm off to bed. Uh, happy yeah. year. and that, that's it like no one could be bothered to do anything else at that point you're like oh probably so I'm, I'm just going off to bed or cheers I've finished your drink as quickly as possible let's go I'm it's probably beer pong time to be honest in our house uh, my sister's yeah. beer pong all night long which don't get me wrong yeah. I, I love a bit of beer pong but um, yeah i got to be in the mood for it to be honest my, gen, my, my general routine on a night off is like oh it gets to like half 10, 11 I'm thinking, right, I'll go and watch TV in bed because I'll fall asleep down here. Why should I change that for tomorrow? Just because it's 1st of January at midnight. I don't understand why that's a thing. So basically, so far, we've just been moaning about having too much food and uh, New Year's Eve. Miles, you're the optimist. Surely you've got to pick this up a little bit. Although I'm expecting a moan now about, I don't know, pigeons or something. (laughs) Who knows? Well, uh, I'm working tomorrow night until probably 2 a.m. So, uh, again, New Year's in my house has always been Chinese and what watching Jules Holland or something. It's, it's never been a, a, a major thing. I've, I, I hate the idea of having to go to a pub that's free to get in any other time of year. But all of a sudden they want to charge you £15 to come in and have the same drinks with the same people just for one night. Yeah. Anyway, that's someone else's rant. Um, what did I have today? Um, I had a little teaser for next week. Um Anyone who follows me on Twitter, I have a, a love of a particular uh, Good Morning Football host, uh, Hey K Adams. Um, next week, I will have a special um, non-Titans related for that, so definitely tune in next week, although you should tune in every single week. Um, what was my main rant about? It, it was going to be about how every single Christmas, you know when they make a song, sorry, they cover a song, like Frankie Goes to Hollywood, for example, but they cover it with a really high-pitched female voice. And it's always a John Lewis advert. And I think this year they've done Bastille or something. And I hate it whenever they cover songs for Christmas and it just gets worse and worse. But no, mine followed on a little bit with uh, with Niels with that. I think I've received approximately 10 emails a day from multiple gyms saying, hey, did you know that if you join now, there's no joining fee? Because what everyone thinks about over Christmas is how they've eaten too much. Now they feel bloated and they're going to make the change for the new year. And hey, why don't we get rid of the no joining fee? Because then people will come once in January, realize like every other day of the year, they don't like the gym and they like going home and just eating food and they accept how they are. 
and then they have to cancel their direct debit a month later. And all they do is they take advantage of everyone. And when I say everyone, it's me, because I know I was very, very close to doing what I've done every single year and going, you know what, no joining for, yeah, I should really go to the gym. I should really, yeah, I should make that effort. And then they wonder why everyone's miserable halfway through January, not because they've been paid early in December, so they've got no money until the end of the month, but because they've been guilt-tripped into going to the gym because there's a no joining fee. So the, the real reason that they uh, that they do that is so that you uh, forget to uh, cancel the direct debit, and then yep. it's when in June you then realise, ah, crap! I've been paying it for the last six months, and I've been once. That is one hell of a price. Yeah, I go once and then realise I don't enjoy it there, and I don't enjoy the people. It's like, oh yeah, this is why I haven't gone for the past twenty-seven years of my life because I don't enjoy it. But suddenly, no joining fee makes it really attractive. Um, so that, that was my big rant. I was basically calling out gyms, yeah. <laughs> which I'm sure I won't be the first or the last at this time of year for people to uh, feel much more. I did have a shout out for Adam. Um, we had our, all our family around for Boxing Day. And I don't know if they listen to the podcast. I know my dad every so often does and sort of questions what we're talking about and thinks we're a bit loopy, which is exactly what we are. Um, but there was a tin of Quality Street on the table. And I thought, you know what, just for Adam, I was going to get my phone out and I was going to do a little recording of me opening the Quality Street and eating one. And what they've managed to do, which was brilliant, is I opened it and there was no Quality Street in there. But my mum had done like a best of. So we had like Maltese truffles and uh, Celebration Midget. It was, it was a hybrid. It was excellent. I opened that tin and it was, it was like Christmas Day all over again. Literally, on Boxing Day, I had a second Christmas Day just because I opened that tin and there was no pathetic whatever they do in their quality tins. There was everything that I enjoyed and... That that was my that was the best present of the year, opening a tin of Quality Street and it not being Quality Street. Was it the personalised one? Did it have your name on it? It didn't have it didn't have my name on it. It was it was literally my mum had decided that there was a Quality Street tin at some point. I so badly hoped that she just poured all the chocolates out the Quality Street in the bin and just went, We don't need any of them. And then just got all the other ones and put them in the tin because it's a nice tin. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> opened a, a bag of quality streets, like 10 minutes before I was finishing work the other day in office and, and put them on top of a filing cabinet. And then I came back on like eight o'clock the following morning. So they've been there 14 hours. They've been there 14 <laughs> hours, right? And an absolute miracle happened when I looked and thought, oh, I'm going to have one of these. Uh, there was a green triangle left, one green triangle. Somebody left a green triangle and took a toffee penny. So there is other people like Adam. There must be. Oh, no, they can't be sure. <laughs> among, walking among <laughs> us. <laughs> I love, I love a toffee penny. I'm, I'm going to stand on Adam's uh, island here. For sure, toffee no. pennies are definitely the best. <laughs> um, the my rant is. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Neil. I was going to say the enemy of your feelings. We'll be okay. We'll be okay. Just suck on him for a while. Let him get soft. Anyway, uh, uh, meh. anyway. So uh, my my rant of the week is all about Alexas. Um, my girlfriend's got one for Christmas, and they are amazing. But she mainly just uses them to set an alarm or uh, play music that she's already got on her phone or check the weather, which is outside. Um, they're amazing. But I have no idea why we have one in our house that's definitely listening to all of our conversations at all points, just in case we say Alexa. And half the time, the thing doesn't even wake up when you say Alexa. So uh, it's been frustrating that you hear Alexa being shouted at, at the wall for about five minutes before it finally goes, I cannot play that song. And you're like, thanks so much, Alexa. Thanks for being here. And then she ends up putting it on her phone anyway. 
um, massive frustration of my life at the moment, but did save me this morning when my alarm didn't go off. My girlfriend realised she was at work and set Alexa's alarm on her phone to wake me up. I was like, that's world class. I think uh, I can't really um, say anything about Alexa's because we've got lights and everything else. We've got one of those hubs yeah, in the kitchen say. and uh, living room light and dining room light both with Alexa. And I've just trekked myself to a new TV with a little bit of money I got for Christmas. And that's Alexa controlled as well. So I'm going to be talking to my TV and it's actually going to respond now. Whereas during Titans I'm games, wondering... it never talks back. I am wondering if I should ask it now who's going to win the Super Bowl and we can all have a listen, but I'm a bit worried what it might say. Um, so I might just pop it back. But uh, I, I was asking <laughs> for the, uh, the, the traffic. I was saying... I won't want to say it because I don't want to talk to me because half the time she drives me insane. But yeah, I always ask for the traffic. It's going to be like, mine's always been handy, but you, you'll end up just doing ridiculous things, won't you? Like, you, you've got your phone on you and a watch on, but you'll just ask what the time is just because you thought, I've paid money for this. I may as well just ask someone to tell me the time instead. Which is why I find myself doing quite a lot. Uh, my daughter were asking. Oh. Sorry, my daughter were asking it at nine times table the other day. Um, upstairs in the bedroom she was asking it what the nine times table were and just listening to it telling her <laughs> instead of actually uh, figuring them out for herself smart kid best way yeah cheat your way through homework I think that's the that's, that's the biggest takeaway from this <laughs> I'm potentially a title name well we're on to Foxborough um, yes in Greg literally I'm on to Foxborough uh, we'll be sat on our sofas at 1.15 in the morning. Uh, nap, pre, pre-game naps are essential, I'm guessing, for, for all of us here um, and anyone this side of the pond. If you're that side of the pond, enjoy the game. Hopefully we get through to the divisional round with the uh, Ravens, it would be. So uh, we're looking forward to preempting that one. Um, and until then, thank you so much for listening once again and uh, tighten up and have a fantastic week. Cheers. Tighten up. Tighten up, guys. Tidal.